This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So welcome especially to all the first years that are here, all the people that are back. Lots of people have been having like three months holiday. Tomorrow class starts. Okay, tomorrow focus, focus. Lekker, lekker. I know some of you need to shake off the spirit of the way tomorrow morning, but uh, be ready. Uh, for, if you're first year, you're going to see so many people on campus. You're never going to see so many people again on campus like the first two days. It is amazing. Everybody comes to get their, their notes, their books, and then they disappear. It's like the rapture happens. They're just like, whoo, you know. They're just bunking class to get the notes, and then they play golf and do stuff like that. Um, but we... Trust Christians don't do that. I mean, we're faithful. Well, there wasn't a lot of amens. There was just a lot of people laughing in this block, okay? Oh, there's so many things to do, but um, you're going to enjoy varsity. But especially our desire is that you connect with God, that you find your God-given purpose. Do you know that's why you're actually here? Yes, you're going to get a degree. Yes, you're going to study, be equipped. But this is the best time where you can say, Lord, I want to lay the right foundations biblical foundations for my life so we're going to jump straight into scripture in john chapter 4 where there was a lady that encountered god and this lady was a samaritan she came from a different culture Uh, she wasn't even allowed to speak to jesus because he was a jew a rabbi and uh, jews didn't speak to samaritans and she was alone she came out to this well and we're going to talk a bit about worship tonight and i want to say from the word go that worship is not a song that we sing worship isn't about a song that we sing yes we encounter god in songs that we sing but worship is a lifestyle and our theme for this year is to stand let's stand that's for us as a church let's stand let's stand before god pure hearts open hearts to worship him without any limitations and without Being a hypocrite, be real with God. There's nothing you can hide from Him. And this is a lady encountering Jesus, but she's trying to hide a couple of things. She was very thirsty, but she didn't realize what she was actually thirsty for. So in John chapter 4, verse 4, but he needed to go, that's Jesus, to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. I forgot to pray. Let's pray first. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is eternal, steadfast, true. As we submit to your word, Lord, it's not the opinion of man, but your word that will change us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the word made flesh that came to dwell among us. We just bless you for the privilege we have to read your word together. The many parts of your body all across the world, Lord, are suffering greatly for just to have a Bible, just to be able to read together. And that's why we, we reverence your word. Holy Spirit, we reverence your presence. We cannot, Lord, do anything without you. As you already touched us in worship, Lord, we want to touch you. Touch us with your word as well tonight as we consecrate this place and say it's holy ground. In Jesus' name. Verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, 
How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me this drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. So he says, You don't know who's asking. You don't know who you are actually asking. If you would have known who he is, you would have asked a different question. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to him, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again to her. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Whoa. It says, not just will you, when you drink this water, will you, your, your thirst will be satisfied. More than that, a fountain of water will spring up from your innermost being, and it will just overflow. And the woman said to him, because now she's thinking naturally. She's thinking like, I've come out here, because women would normally come together in a group to draw water, and this wasn't the closest well. So we understand that this lady was rejected by her own community. She was an outcast because she came alone. And she, she's figuring out, like, if she can get this water, she's never going to come here again. Never just have the effort of coming alone, just doing it on her own. Just imagine that, selling that bottle of water. Once you drink this water, you're never going to need to drink water or anything again. Sure, we'll be instant billionaires overnight. That's what she was thinking. And then Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> right there, he speaks into her greatest thirst. He gets a word of knowledge, a spiritual gift we talk about, a word of knowledge for her. The stranger, just connecting on a level that she was thinking was normal water, he comes to her and let, he says to her, let me, let me speak right into that area where you're really thirsty. All those husbands, all those men that you're sleeping with, all those people that you're going around with, you're really thirsty. She says, whoo, you're a prophet. And now she gets all religious with Jesus. Isn't it amazing? We get religious with Jesus the moment when he touch our button. <laughs> the moment when he comes and says, you, me, we're going to talk. Then you're like, whoo, Lord. What about the people behind the Iron Curtain? What about the people in Russia that are persecuted? Lord, what about the people in the tsunamis? And whew, we get all religious around Jesus. And then Jesus just stands there and he says, Father, I really love them. But she's clueless. <laughs> now she goes on. Listen to this. Our fathers, that's not Samaritans, because they had a different temple, which was a replica of the one in Jerusalem, because they were like half-breeds, the Samaritans. They weren't allowed to worship in Jerusalem. So they had their own temple, and they really wanted to connect with God, but they couldn't because they were like not the, mix, the right mix, you know. And so they built their own temple there, and now she begins to talk about that temple. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Say spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I will speak to you, am he. I'm that Messiah. It's amazing that Jesus did not reveal to many people who he was. I think actually there were only three people in Scripture, three or four, that he actually told them he was the Messiah. Blind man was another one, eventually Caiaphas, the high priest. Jesus, most of the time, said to people, Shh, don't tell, tell them I'm the Messiah. So this lady is looking for stuff, and she's just coming for this water. Suddenly Jesus says, whoa, I know you. I know you better than what you know yourself. And she gets all religious. So let, let's talk about worship. Let's talk about all that stuff out there. Let's talk about the temple. Let's talk about all the things around worship. And then he says, the hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. Say spirit and truth. So when we come to God, that's how he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so Jesus walks into this life, gets this word of knowledge. Eventually, this lady leaves her water pot and she runs off to the city and she goes to everybody there and she says, hey, there's a man out there that told me all things that I ever did. Just come and listen to him. And then this lady was an outcast because of this amazing encounter with Jesus. The whole of the city comes out. And as they come out, Jesus says, look unto the harvest. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Later, his disciples come back because Jesus actually had to send his disciples away. They didn't understand. They, they were not going to understand what this was about because a Jew doesn't speak to Samaritans. When they come there, he says, um, they say, hey, Jesus, are you hungry? Then Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, my food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to be worshipers. So Jesus defines in what way, what is acceptable to him. And he uses two words. He says, you must worship in spirit and in truth. You must worship in spirit and in truth. Let me give you some pointers just quickly. And then we're going to challenge people because worship is not about songs. You know, I, I, <laughs> the first time I came into a church like this was in, in Paul. It was still the, called the Paul Assemblies of God. It was down there at the boulevard. And um, I grew up very conservatively. So I never saw people raise their hands. Maybe there's some people like this t t tonight, you know. So here we're going to this place just because one of my buddies wanted to sneak out and not go like to the normal sort of conservative type of worship. And so here we go to this place, there's this little room, there's about 120 people, 100 people in there. And the people raise their hands in front of me and I think like, oh my gona, secta, oh my gona. My grandfather used to warn me about these people, you yeah? know. And I just think they lift up their hands. They've lifted up their hands, you know, and I get the shock of my life because I've never seen people lift up their hands. And then they have a band, a band, you know, and I think like, oh, you know, so I was very conservative. And halfway through the worship, I'll never forget it. There was this red carpet thing there at the back, you know, this curtain, big curtain. And I thought, Lord, if you take me alive out of this place, I will worship you and serve you for the rest of my life. Because I thought they're slaughtering people behind that curtain there at the back and i really thought that i was sweating like you know, there's a scripture that says streams of living waters will gush out from underneath your armpits have you read that you know it's not like that it's just like i was sweating for jesus because i was thinking lord these people are going to sacrifice me they lured me into this thing you know and then i started to realize that worship isn't about songs it's not about it's about me seeing who god is and that is what spirit is the moment when you get born again not when you go to church. The moment when you get born again, 
you have become a spiritual being and now you have a spiritual connection to God. So when you worship, it's, it's from your spirit, it's from your heart, it's a real, it's a reflection on the glory of God. You are worshiping someone, it's, it's not about the experience. So we get a lot of churches like ours that, you know, the, we need to psych up more smoke bombs and smoke screens and lights and there's nothing wrong with that stuff, but that's not the presence of God. If you cannot worship at home, there where you are, just you and God, then this means absolutely nothing. These are, this is nice, eh? Jesus love, cool. He loves me. I, I, feel, I feel accepted when people do effort. You know, we have almost 150 people doing setup on a Sunday to be here, to set up these things. And, do, and it's great because it reflects something of God's excellence. But that's not worship. So, worship from the heart is reflected on the majesty of God, not on the inadequacy of man. If you worship and you think about yourself and all your shortcomings, then you're not worshiping. You're just like self-reflecting. Listen to this. Christianity is the only religion where the worshiper does not visit the temple to worship, but the worshiper is the temple that worships. Because that's what Jesus said. My life, my, this body becomes a temple that worships Him. So when I wake up tomorrow morning, I want to worship. I'm worshiping him. You know, Paul even writes it in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 30 and says, when you drink or when you eat or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Therefore, worship is a lifestyle. It's who you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, worship is a lifestyle. So, so here's, here's the tough part. Here's the tough part. You cannot be fake. You cannot, the Saturday Christian and the Saturday night Christian cannot be a different Christian than the one on the Sunday morning. Otherwise, you are fake, according to God's definition. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying it with all the love that I can, but God, the only people that God resists are the proud and the hypocrites. Where you're pretending that you're right and I'm pretending that I'm right when, when actually we just need God. So worship is not about perfection, but it's about a surrender to Him. It's about a lifestyle of coming before Him because you've known, you've seen who God is. Worship is not what happens on a Sunday. It's what happens every morning, every breath you take, everything you do. And therefore, worship means there's an obedient lifestyle, a transformed life, because you become that which you worship. You're going to worship somebody, or you're going to worship something. Maybe you're going to worship your degree. Maybe you're going to worship that artist or that famous guy. Or maybe you're going to worship that friend of yours. Or maybe you're going to worship yourself. But something you will worship. You've been made to worship. And this is what this lady at this well discovers is, is she's trying to pass the ball. She's trying to say, hey, no, what about the temple? What about all this stuff? Because Jesus came right into her heart and says, that what you're doing with all those men, I tell you, you need to learn to worship. Because when I give you water, you are not going to thirst again. You're going to learn what it means to overflow. Because that's what that water will do. It will, you will never be thirsty again. So worship when you worship God, it becomes, you become, you take on the character of God. 
You become little Christs, little Christians. And that's why your purpose in life is to become like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, your purpose is to become like Jesus. It's not, worship is not entertainment. Worship is not nice songs. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a surrendered life to the glory of God. You live. Your purpose is to glorify God. Amen? Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm going to tell you a story, but you're not, not allowed to tell anybody else. It's just between the two of us. Is that all right? Okay. God sometimes sets you up when you get distracted in this life to be humble. Now, one day I went there to in one city canal walk. I hate gymming. I, I, I just, the other day I was standing here wanting to pick up one of my daughters, and I was standing at the gym, and this guy, it's obviously at this gym, there is no leg day, you know, because there's just now, it's, ne it's never leg day. It's always like upper body day, you know. And, and I was standing there, I was waiting for an hour because, you know, this guy looked like an Oros man, but, but he was standing there. And I was going for the German, and then he goes like, ooh, 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 three like that. Then he puts it down, and then he goes, stands in front of the mirror. And I timed him. Of the 45 minutes that I was there, 32 minutes, he was watching himself in the mirror. We must call it mirror day, not gym day or leg day or, you know. But it's crazy, you know, we're standing there. But that's not the story I want to tell. So I went here to N1 City. You're interrupting me, some of the people here. Okay, I'm going to focus on these people. But so here we had in one city, and so there's all these treadmills. So it's raining the day, and I thought, like, I'm going to just run on the treadmill. Now, I don't like the inside of a gym. Some of you, like you are, and Ben Jason, and yo, yo, sorry. The, the, one of the Marty's rugby coaches is sitting in front, and he's just staring at me because that's his job. He's inside a gym, okay? And, he's a, and his wife is a, what are you, biokineticus, huh? Huh? Physio, you're a physio. Same thing, same thing. But so, okay. The Lord bless you, okay? So if you see the Marty's first team running up and down, it's his fault, okay? It's his fault, okay? But they're beautiful. They're beautiful people. They're amazing people. But so, so he's in the inside of the gym. So you're in the inside of the gym, and I'm going to go on the treadmill, you know? So, so yeah, I'm running in these like 100 treadmills there. It's this big virgin active thing. Don't worry, I don't get commissioned. So here I'm running on the treadmill, and it's cricket. The cricket Protea team is playing, and they have all these screens up. So I'm running. And the next moment, this guy hits a six. And I forget that I'm running on the treadmill. You know, so. And I misstep the treadmill. And I see myself in all the mirrors reflecting. Pah! On my face, down the treadmill at the back. I think I hit the record. The guy who left the gym the quickest. I can't even remember if I swiped whatever you need to swipe. So if you go to N1 City, my ego is still somewhere lying there between... Treadmill number two and treadmill number three right in front. I left it there. It was seven years ago. But so I, I still have scars, you know. The reason why I'm telling this story is because, hey, that's how some of us worship. We're so distracted with ourselves, with stuff around us. And God wants you to behold Him. 
And so, so Jesus sets up this beautiful moment with this lady there at the well. He tells his disciples to go because he wants to meet with her. Jesus has an appointment with everyone here tonight. He's coming to meet you at your well, at your deepest place of hurt, of your deepest place of fear, your deepest place of rejection. Because God is not a selfish being. Did you know that? God can be worshipped because worship does not change God. It changes us. I'm going to say that again. Worship does not change God. It changes you. So in essence, God is the only being that can receive worship. Any other person, any other thing that receives worship will be changed by that worship. So if somebody worships you, and that person tells you you're so beautiful, so amazing, because they just want to get in bed with you or sleep around with you, because ladies, there's a lot of guys that's going to tell you. And all they want to do on this campus is they just want to get you to bed. They want to steal something of your worship. They want to steal something of your deepest purity and innocence. Don't allow them. Phone you on being Jason. Okay? The big guys here. Carl. Where's Carl? Carl. Where's Carl? So we've got big guys in this church. They'll come and sort those guys out. Okay? But in any case, so the first part is then worshiping in spirit is, is to behold, is to know him. The second part is to worship in truth. Because worship is not an experience. It's about who you worship. And you know what? A lot of people stop by worshiping just an experience. So worship becomes an experience for them. Not a lifestyle, not who they are and who they worship. So you can only worship when you know God's word because in it you know God. I said, yeah, many believe it, it doesn't matter what you believe or do as long as you are sincere. Lots of people say, hey, God knows my heart. God knows, but God doesn't change. The next thing here says, you cannot rightly worship what you do not rightly know. And theology means the study of God is about getting to know God. So a lot of people study theology, but they miss because theology, studying God, is to know God so that you can worship God. So there's a, there's a whole part of the church that just say, oh, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. Just get into Scripture. And there's a whole God, part of the church that says experience, experience, experience. And if you focus on just one of the two, you'll miss God. Because you cannot worship if you do not know. That's why we do stuff like Bible school. That's why we do stuff like encounter. That's why we get into the Word. So you'll see a lot of churches, all they do to attract more people is they make these services shorter, quick in, quick out. And there's nothing wrong. Sometimes it's just a practical thing. But if we don't get people into the Word, you will get deceived. Because then you'll go after the experience. And you'll miss God because you'll start to worship a God of your own making or of your culture. And that's why a lot of people in the past, they could do the most insane things in the name of Jesus. Apartheid was born in the name of Jesus. That's why a lot of people in our nation still hates the white religion or the whatever colonial religion. Because people actually brought them religion. But never the experience of the relationship with God. And unfortunately, many people hasn't repented of that yet. But there's a generation that God is raising up that says, it's all about everything of me for everything of Him. So that's why you need to get equipped. You need to study the Word. Not little 
bread sticks. Oh, he loves me. He loves me not. Oh, that's a nice scripture. Oh, scripture a day gives the devil away. Da, 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 da. Scripture a day gives the devil away. Da, 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 da. Oh, I don't like this one. Oh, whoo. Yeah. Oh, he's for me. And who can be against me? Oh, I like that one. Oh, he will discipline those that he loves. Oh, that's a good scripture for Steve. Yes, Lord, apply it to him, but it's not applicable to me. And then we start to choose little bits. But you're either going to accept all of Scripture or you're going to reject. You can't have parts of it. Oh, you cannot rightly worship what you do not know. Do not rightly know. So that's so beautiful when you come. And this is this experience, this encounter that Jesus had with this woman. It says men want to do things their own way, and as it seems right in their own eyes, it's called a lawless spirit. But I want to say to you, truth doesn't change. God doesn't change. And therefore, God will hold every person accountable according to truth, not according to your experience. Sure. Maybe you are sitting here tonight and say, well, I got hurt in church. I got all these things are happening to me. Why did I get dealt such a bad God? And then there's going to be one name one piece of wood that's going to level the playing fields for every person that has ever lived it's called the cross of jesus christ and he says not one of you will be able to accuse me one day that i didn't love you not one of you went through what i did on the cross you see i have three children and never in my mind will i think of sacrificing one of them for one of you never it, it hasn't even passed my mind so what do you think God the Father went through for you? The place of value and a priceless gift on your life. And he still opened himself up for you and I and the world out there to reject him like many are rejecting him. But that doesn't change anything about him. That's why Jesus could stand up and say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's not a ten sets of rules. It's who I am. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no one goes to the Father except then through me. So that means you and I are going to be accountable. Sure. It's getting very quiet in here. I know you're all thinking about that treadmill, okay? Just keep your pace going. Keep your pace going. Okay. Verse 27 of John chapter 4 and then we're going to pray. And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to him, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Whoa. You have been called to do the will of God and to finish His work. You have been called to glorify God. Therefore, worship is not about a couple of songs. It's not about you having a nice time. It's not about you being entertained. Too many churches like ours are consumeristic focused. And I, and I please, when people stop preaching the word, when people stop telling you the truth, and the truth, I have a friend that says, the truth will set you free, but it will make you feel miserable. If people don't talk about 
the love of God and the holiness of God, they will deceive you. Because a lot of people want to talk about the grace of God, and they just say, hey, love, 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 grace, 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 grace. You know, you're all right. You're going you're gonna, to, and they talk, and they action. you would ask them, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Do you believe there's an accountability that you're going to stand to give an account of what Jesus did for your life? Then they'll probably say, no, I don't believe in hell. You know, it's just, just like a feeling. I enjoy my life. But sure. Jesus, I, I don't know. I have, a, I have a Bible that has the words of Jesus in red. I don't always like reading those words. Because it's really challenging. I'm going to read you one of those scriptures. And I trust that the truth will set you free. Ooh. People are getting very, very uncomfortable. Listen what to the words of Jesus. Don't get offended with me. It's Jesus speaking. If you want to get offended, get offended with him. Okay, so Luke 14, 26. I think I've offended some people too much now already. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Yeah, that's the sect I've been talking about. That's it. Jesus, Jesus has got problems. Don't you say I should honor my parents and now you say if anyone hates, I sh we shouldn't hate. We're Christians. Now, he doesn't talk about hating in the sense of take your mother's name and write it all. Take your father's name and nail it and say, this is it, it's finished. I'm, call your mother tonight and say, I hate you, I hate you. You know, that's not what he says. You know? <laughs> Please don't do that. Yeah? <laughs> what Jesus is saying, in relation to me, there should be no number two or no number one. If you take that thing or that person and put it in front of me, you're going to start worshipping them and you're going to be in trouble because they cannot give to you what I want to give to you. And that will disqualify you because if you, you, you're going to try and get something from that person and they will love you and they'll be there and they're your family and they're great. But if there's not a change in your attitude to, to who I am, I'm number one, you're going to be in trouble. And then he goes on, it goes heavier. He says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciples. You know, the modern-day gospel in churches like ours, more the charismatic type of churches, it's just, hey, Jesus loves you. There's so much grace, you know. I had a, a pastor in this town, a guy didn't like the fact that we sometimes spoke straight, and, you know, then he went to another church. And then this is what the pastor said. Hey, you have a pornography problem, but don't worry. Just do it like once a week. It's not going to be that troublesome. Just, just like ease it out, you know, just, just like, just manage your sin. Three years later, that guy came back again, standing there in that foyer. He broke down. And he said, thank you for telling me the truth. I didn't want to hear it, but I messed up my life. I messed up my life because of compromise, because I listened not to the words of Jesus. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. It means you need to follow him. You need to say, Lord, you're number one. I'm going to worship you. You're going to be Lord of my life. I want to be your disciple. And that means I need to take up my cross. And then I need to also follow him, which is a life of obedience. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost where there is enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all, see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. 
what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoa. God calls you to discipleship. God invites you to the greatest life, to a life that does not just give you water where your thirst is quenched, but in you a fountain will spring up into everlasting life. Many others are going to come to drink from that life. That thing that the devil wanted to steal from you, God turns it around and it becomes your testimony. And God starts to use you in that area. You start to pray for people and they get set free. And, and God starts to use you and you think like, Lord, how could you use an ordinary person like me? Well, because he can. And he's chosen to do that because you will not steal his glory. You will not take his worship. So God uses ordinary fishermen that had no teeth, probably still sweared a lot. He doesn't go to the University of Jerusalem to choose his 12 top disciples. God says, I use the foolish things of this life. And that's why humility is so important that you and I would on a night like tonight come to humble ourselves and say, God, I realize there's so little I know. There's so little I know about you, but I want to. Stir within me a passion and a hunger for you as my first love. Lord, come and show me who you are. Lord, I consecrate this year, this, this time of studying this degree to you this year. And I, Lord, I know there's going to be a lot of options. That's not necessarily certain. There's not, but God, I want to get equipped because I want to be a worshiper. I want to be in that space where when people look at my life, they can say, wow, she's not perfect, but she loves God. And it takes one person to stand one person to say, this is who God is. One person to say, hey, okay, stop your Lucy. Stop your Lucy. That's like Swedish, okay. You know, sounds more like Belgium, but in any case. Just somebody that says, I know God. On the 4th of April, 1989, I walked into a teacher's life and I said to him, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. The one that I serve is a cultural one. The one that I serve is a Sunday one. The one that I serve is the one that makes me feel good. But I put him straight back into the cupboard and I go on with my life. And Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple in that way. I will love you and you'll go to heaven even. But you'll never taste of that living waters. And this is the encounter that he had with this woman at the well. Her life was so transformed that she goes out that imagine there's somebody living here on the street here in Stellenbosch. And please don't give to people money on the street in Stellenbosch. Give them a Stratlich voucher, okay? Give them a food voucher, so give them a night shelter voucher. There are great organizations here in Stellenbosch. But please don't give them money and don't feel guilty about it because you're helping them in their drug and their alcohol problem. But give at least food. Just serve them. Love them. They're human beings. But imagine there's somebody that we all know that's here on the street that's begging and just irritating us and maybe frustrating us. And, and he comes along here and he runs in here tonight and he says, Hey, chauffeur, Stellenbosch. I met a guy here, here around the corner in front of Paul Ruiz that told me all things that I ever did. Come. Most of us will say, What do you want? We know your type. 
because everyone in that city knew this woman. But one encounter with Jesus made them look at her and thought like, sure. She was so overwhelmed that she left the water pot there. She didn't even remember the water because she drank of the living water. And the moment when you drink of that living water, you will never thirst again, I promise you. The moment when you turn to Him, so it's not a, a sermon telling you to stop sinning. It's a sermon to tell you drink the right water. Find the right water. Go to the right source. Some of you want people just to say, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you, because your dad never said it. God says it about you, but come and find, find out why. Come and find out why He's made you in the image of God. And He loves you so much, unconditionally, in such a way that He was open to your rejection, open to you screaming at Him, spitting on Him, walking away, running away. And there's some of you in this room that have been running away from God for a long time. And tonight He's saying, come, I've come to sit at your well. And then we're going to talk. And you're going to feel very uncomfortable tonight. Do you know why? Because... It's God saying, I'm coming to find you where you're at. I love that first part of that scripture that says, and Jesus had to go through Samaria. It wasn't the shortest route because he had a plan to meet with that woman. So tonight I'm asking, what are you thirsty for? Tonight I'm asking you not to join the church, to have a nice sing-along. Tonight I'm telling you to become a worshiper. That's going to take some accountability. That's going to mean you're going to need to slot into a community, a small group, where you're going to need to learn together, and they're going to pray for you and lay hands on you, and you're going to lay hands on them, and you're going to start to discover who you really are in Christ. But it's only going to happen in community. It's only going to happen when you open yourself up to be real and not a hypocrite, where you're not pretending and just coming in. Because I was the greatest pretender ever. You know, I stuttered, so God healed me of that stuttering. Told me I'm going to preach in many nations, and today it's true i never thought it at that time you know i couldn't speak one sentence properly so i just run away god says i am going to use you but you know i was the greatest pretender i lied so easily because i wanted to impress people i was looking for people to tell me that i'm good i was looking for them to worship me but in the back of my heart i was so lonely so depressed so clueless and he won't mind me saying this, but Corne Krieger was my, he was a Springbok player, rugby player, not netball player, rugby player, so he slept next to me in the room. And I'll never forget it one night. Now, I was the issue chairman of the school. And he asked me, how do I know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven? And I lied there and I said, just read your Bible and believe. And he said, oh. And he turned around and slept again. I lied awake for four hours that night. I said, God, but I don't know what I'm saying. Because I don't know you, and I'm the issue chairman. I'm this pretender. Everybody comes to ask me spiritual things. And then I met this servant of God. And he started to show me there's a real Jesus. But it's going to take me to walk out of my comfort zone. It's going to take me to say, he's number one, and there's no number two. Will you stand with me tonight as we're going to pray for people? I'm going to ask you to be respectful, not to move out. But just to stand as the band is coming up.
want to encourage you to come next week Sunday when with Stephen Lungu. You know, he was a terrorist and tried to blow up people and God took him to like minister to more than 40 presidents in the world, including Barack Obama and all these other presidents. Just a humble man of God. You're going to see the grace of God in people's lives. You know, because it's, it's good to have an experience. But the question is, do you know the living God? Have you come to sit at the well where Jesus says, I'm going to give you water? I'm going to give you that water. And when you drink of that water, you will never thirst again. There's some of you sitting in this place, and this is what's just dropping in my spirit. He's like, you just want to run away. You just think like, oh, this is just a crowd, you know? I don't like crowds. But in all of this crowd, Jesus comes. And I love that about him. He just walks off, and he goes straight to that individual. He goes to that individual, and he looks him in the eye, and he says, you follow me. Come follow me. Isn't that the Jesus that we serve? straight to that disciple and says you follow me thank you for listening remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share Sing.